Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Free Domain Radio. I'm here with Charles C. Johnson, who is an investigative journalist, author, researcher, and editor-in-chief of a very, very influential website, gotnews.com, which, of course, you can find at gotnews.com, and Beard Thief. He stole my beard. So we're going to try and get that back before the end of the show. Uh, Charles, uh, nice to meet you. How are you doing today? Great. You can, you can have the beard back at, at any time, but you'll have to beat my wife. Uh, she <laughs> loves it too much. Okay, so on your website, you uh, have this black hole of information coming in, and uh, I find it on your website uh, sooner than I find it on just about anyone else's website. I wonder if you can help people to understand just how you, you're able to get your sort of octopus fingers into so many cool pieces of data and, uh, and get it out to people. Cool. Well, one of the things that we do is we collect interesting people. Um, so you can, you can email me, editor at gotnews.com. If you have interesting pieces of information, I'll buy it off of you. So we built up a network of sources at Got News, um, which I started about two years ago. And one of the things we were, we were interested in doing is looking at uh, sort of all of the lies that the media tells, which do they all have in common. And they are pretty much scientifically illiterate, so they're not aware of like human biodiversity, they're not aware of, uh, of basic issues. And so what we do is we typically um, just break the stories faster. We do it cheaper. Um, and so we have people constantly sending us information. And it's now reached a point where whenever there's a major police shooting, you know, within about five minutes, I have all of the police officers, their wives, sometimes their girlfriends, sometimes their family members, just sending me material because – you know, if, if there's going to be a monopoly on the truth of police shootings, uh, you know, might as well be me. And so it's it's interesting just, you know, we use a lot of uh, techniques for searching faster, going through, you know, LexisNexis, going through various cop message boards, and uh, going through, of course, criminal background checks. And then, of course, it's just uh, most of the people who are in the media are older. Um, my group of people skew probably between the ages of like 14 to 29 and so they're just, they've lived their entire lives on the internet. And so they're able to just send me material faster. So for them, mainstream media is like, uh, I'm sorry, what, those annoying ads that my ad blocker blocks? Uh, and you, you do target ads to particular areas to, to, uh, to try and get people to understand how you can broadcast their information uh, worldwide. That's right. So one of the things we do is whenever somebody, whenever we're working on a particular topic, so, so for instance, we've done a lot of stuff on Paul Ryan and how Paul Ryan and the Puerto Rico deal, you know, how he's been sort of bailing out um, donors and friends of his. Um, and this, of course, cuts against his images of fiscal probity that he tries to sell people on. And so what we do is we just targeted the entire congressional district, put about $1,000 into it. And I say to people, hey, if you want to target this to a congressional district or you want to target it somewhere, you know, I'll just do it for free. Like it's, you know, or, you know for whatever the cost of whatever the PayPal ad is, you, know, you send the money through PayPal, you then target the Facebook you know, congressional area. And what tends to happen is you get more inbound information from people who are heavy Facebook users. And so we'll typically target, like whenever there's a police shooting, we'll target all of the surrounding areas and we'll make sure that the things they like are the police. Um, Donald Trump seems, seems to be a really big one. If you ever target anything Donald Trump related, you get a lot of older particularly women sending you interesting information. And then among the best people, I occasionally hire them um, and have them be a part of my larger kind of research operation. Yeah, Paul Ryan, I think he's currently the front runner for the Alan Greenspan Award for Very, Very Bad Objectivist. But uh, perhaps we'll circle back onto him. So <laughs> Maybe, the big, yeah. Yeah, the big topic at the moment, of course, um, it was the two shootings that happened uh, recently um, with uh, Philando Castile and Alton Sterling. 
And the Sterling one kind of fell apart quickly because of the incredibly like length of an orangutan's arm rap sheet uh, that he had and, uh, you know, impregnating a 14-year-old girl and all that kind of stuff. That one, but the, the Philando Castile seemed to be sort of tailor-made for, you know, the, the movement, the anti-cop movement uh, had um, found its hero, found its, its uh, shining star because, you know, he worked with kids and he knew all the kids' names and he was in charge of a cafeteria and all the parents loved him. And, and so it seemed to be like they'd finally found someone who who did not have um, a pretty lengthy rap sheet and some very questionable personal habits. And I kind of, you know, I did a video on it a little while ago and I kind of held my breath because I'm like, yeah, don't, don't rush to conclusions, don't jump to conclusions. But boy, that narrative for Philando Castile does seem to be uh, falling apart. And of course, I got a lot of the information from, from you. I wonder if you could help people understand how there's a real pivot going on with regards to that story. Sure. So essentially what happened was I... Most of these police shootings, they start to get politicized late at night. And the reason that happens is because most of the media is asleep. Um, this is actually explained to me by somebody who actually works with Black Lives Matter. And so what they do is they, they push, they basically spend the whole night awake pushing the narrative of the, of the shooting so that when the journalists wake up in the morning, they sort of have their talking points ready to go. Mm-hmm. And it's important just so your audience understands there's, a, there's a, not just a political incentive but a financial incentive as well. Because what ends up happening is that a lot of black activist types, um, they typically don't share CNN stories. They typically don't push mainstream media stories unless it's about a police shooting. So this is a way for CNN and for others to kind of push um, a sort of more, you know, they can basically say they're getting a larger market share because now they've got a lot of blacks also interested in their content. So that kind of gives you some sense of like the business decision and why these things become so prominent when they become so prominent. So what, what, what happened was we um, heard about the Philando Castile story um, about probably about 15 minutes after it happened. People started pushing it around. We monitor all the Black Lives Matter's Twitter page accounts, and they started pushing it sort of en masse. They're pushing this concealed carry situation. Obviously, everyone's seen the, the, the footage that was done by uh, Lavish, you know, a.k.a. Diamond Re- you know, Reynolds, who has lied about being his girlfriend, lied about sort of all sorts of relationships um, going on there. And so it's, it's, um, that sort of got us started. And then what we started to do is take the material that we were finding, you know, the 51 um, pullovers, and just start putting, those out, putting it out to the public on Got News. And, of course, I give a lot of stuff to Mike Cernovich. I know you know Mike. And so I've given stuff to him in the, in the past. And so what started to happen was, um, you know, Conservative Treehouse and I were identifying uh, that, there was, um, that there had been a be on the lookout uh, message. That, that was something that went over the the cop kind of message boards. It ultimately ended up in the local media. It sort of ha- has been ignored in the mainstream media, but um, that gives you kind of some back- background of what's going on. And and of course, with with Philando Castile, you know, they always push a sort of narrative that this guy loved kids. He always worked with kids, and of course, over time, you discover that you know he smokes weed in the car with Lavish uh, Reynolds or Lavish Reynolds' uh, daughter. He you know likes to drink and drive, and he's got all sorts of other interesting questionable habits as to whether or not he should be around children in in the first place. Well, the concealed carry thing as well, my understanding from the messages that I've received is if you do get a concealed carry permit, you are given specific instructions on what to do if you're pulled over by a cop. That's right. uh, So can you help people sort of understand what is the process supposed to be for people who've got CCWs when they're pulled over? Right. So the typical typical situation is when you're pulled over by the police and you have a concealed carry license. And I've, I've had this happen with friends of mine in the car before, actually, what you do is you typically give them your license and your concealed carry 
permit um, at the same time, just so they know that you're 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 armed, you're strapped, or whatever. And you you typically tell them, hey, we have a, you have a gun or what have you. No. Um, I thought it was extremely unlikely, given that we had you know, discovered that he was pulled over 51, 52 times. Um, Lavish Reynolds has told a series of lies about her relationship, said it was her fiancé, her boyfriend. Of course, she said on her Facebook that she's married. So there's like a lot of stuff to make us doubt whether or not she's you know, a truthful witness. Um, and she's actually her own, – her own mother has said this as well. You know, a number of people have said that on her own Facebook that she's, that she's a liar. So that gave us sort of some indication. Now, I mean my, my – what what I have been told, um, and haven't really put this out yet, kind of to a wider public yet. But what I've been told by the police is that they suspect that she was involved in the uh, July second robbery of the convenience store. And oh, that, sorry, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but let's yeah. just sort of bring people up to yeah, speed yeah. Sure, on sure, that sure. Uh, to to make sure people know where we're coming from. Yeah, so there was a there was a July second um, robbery that took place. Um, there was uh, a gentleman who looked an awful lot like Philando Castile. Who, um, who, with an armed robbery, stole a pack of, uh, you know, robbed a convenience store, took a, um, I believe, a carton of Newport cigarettes. And what I found interesting was, you know, you can actually match, um, you know, match the carton. You know, if you take a whole carton, you can actually match it to a local convenience store. And so I was told by by somebody in the Minnesota State uh, Troopers' office that they had actually done this already with the cigarettes that they later had on uh, on uh, Miss um, Castile's vehicle that they had later discovered. It is possible that they took the, you know, that he gave the cigarettes to his sort of side woman. It's possible that, that she didn't know. Um, th- these are all possibilities. Like, we, we don't know. We don't, just because somebody's smoking or, or having stolen goods, it doesn't necessarily, you know, if you don't know they're stolen, we have to be kind of cautious here. But it, it doesn't look good. Let's put it that way. But uh, wasn't her car also considered to be um, matching a description of a car that was fleeing the scene? That's right. Yeah. So there was a. That's right. So the license plate number. I mean, all of that is consistent. And in fact, a lot of people have made a big deal about the um, about the light about how uh, the broken tail light that the police said that that's why he was pulling over. Now, um, I've heard in the past that police officers will actually say we're pulling you over for broken tail light. They'll actually lie to the person if they suspect that this person's actually involved in a. Um, in a larger crime, um, because that way it doesn't raise suspicions, and so um, this is not—it's not an uncommon thing for them to do. Now, is it totally ethical and honorable to lie to you know to lie? To, well, I guess it sort of sort of depends on your point of view there, but but it it does happen. Right. So, yeah, it's a very good point, of course, uh, about, you know, there's still a movement in flux and nothing can be known for certain. But uh, given the similarities in looks between the man involved in the robbery and uh, Philando Castile, it would be reasonable, I would say. And of course, this is what the policeman said, that he was uh, pulling over the car because of uh, the similarity to to the be, uh, be on the lookout suspect in that particular robbery and that's uh, what was going on now of course if that's the case then he is going to approach that car with a heightened sense of suspicion as opposed to merely a broken tail light that's right and 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 it's also possible that he doesn't want to raise the alarms to the people he's pulling over right so that's why he's making it about a broken tail light that's why he's trying to be very calm um, obviously if the person you know who robbed robbed the place was armed when they robbed the place it's possible that there could have been gunfire exchange so you you already have a police officer that the suspicion is that is heightened. He's you know he's by himself. There's all sorts of problems that 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 emerge you know when he's dealing with 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 a you know what would seem a routine pullover. 
Um, and it's important to also understand here, I know that your your audience is sort of, I guess we'll call them race realists, or at least aware of the statistical distri- you know, differences between the racial populations. And there have been a number of studies about how blacks speed more often, how they drink while they're driving. Um, Lavish Reynolds, we know, has, has talked about, you know, she, there, there are videos of her smoking weed with Castile in the car while her four-year-old daughter's in the car. There are videos of them uh, drinking together while they're driving. And she's pregnant, by the way, which is kind of not a good, not a good way to start your life um, or, you know, not a good way to start the life of a new child. Um, but, um, you know, that, that could also be a reason that, that, that somebody was pulled over driving erratically, that sort of thing. Well, and given that, you know, she admitted that they had weed in the car, given that there does seem to be the case, it does seem to be the case that he had a weapon, which at least the local sheriff's office of Ted was not applied for as a concealed carry. Uh, and given that they may have been high uh, at the time, um, even if it was a complete mistake, like, and, and he had nothing to do with this robbery, um, he's going to get in trouble with the cop pulling him over. You're already in an escalated situation just based on what's been admitted to have occurred within the car. That's right. And, and I think it's, um, it's interesting, too, just to watch kind of the dispassionate way in which the video is filmed because, um, you know, I've, I've unfortunately been around a lot of very high people in my life, um, and they have a certain mannerism that you can, you can kind of tell. And so a lot of people are applauding her calm, you know, when she was, when she was pulled over. You know, that, that was the, the issue that was, you know, made a lot of attention of on Good Morning America. And I think it's very possible that she was high while she was recording, you know, live streaming the the uh, the shooting out to everyone else. Um, and of course, it's always interesting when these sh- when these videos are presented; they're almost never presented the full context. Um, mm-hmm. There's sort of always some something that's cut out, or there's something that you know it sort of starts you know on media res. And so it's always we have to be very careful on the video presentation of things. Um, and I think that just, you know it's just something that that's worthwhile. I mean, we've now done probably done close to like 50 or 60 investigations of all these different police shootings. And at a certain point, they start to fit a sort of pattern. It's sort of like when you trade a lot of stock, you sort of get this like intuitive sense of the market. Um, or you, if you trade a lot of stuff on predict it, as my team does, um, you get sort of an intuitive sense of who's likely to be certain you know, candidates. And the, just statistically speaking, you know, I would probably put it at like an 85 to 95 you know, range as to whether or not um, Castile is the actual robber in this particular case it's just if it's too many patterns you know if you if you take all these events as separate rather than as part of a larger pattern it's um it's it's uh it's just statistically extremely unlikely that somebody would the bolo you know would match the license would match um the drug you know issue and of course he said in the past that he was upset that he didn't make much money during the summertime because that's when school was not in session. And of course, I don't think being a cafeteria, working at a cafeteria pays very much. Um, and of course, it's also interesting, you know, all of the, the, the positive things said about him is that he, he gave all this free food to, to school kids. Well, you know, who was paying for that free food, right? It's a bit easy to be charitable with, with uh, the taxpayers' largesse uh, when it yeah, comes but to- But enough uh, about the Democrat party. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean obviously it's- it's interesting, right? Um, and of course, this there's always this attention. You know, this person's always a good person, and then of course, you discover pulled over 51 times. And now, of course, the the both the sort of libertarian anti-cop media as well as the anti-cop media generally are saying, "Oh, well, he was um, he was targeted because he's black, and he was pulled over all these times." Well, again, we we know we know that there's a, a higher likelihood of black speeding. We know that. 
there's a there's a time preference problem among the black community, unfortunately, um, which is I think a function of IQ. I know you you've talked about some of this on on your show before, and so there's a lot of reasons to be sort of doubtful of sort of the narrative that he was targeted by the police. Well, and this great challenge that that the alternative media, which I think now is just basically the honest media, the the great challenge drives me crazy. Uh, and so many people from across the spectrum have talked about this issue. Uh, and of course, we get countless messages, I'm sure you do along these lines, which is all disparities in racial statistics must be due to racism. When you get these narratives, you get dragged in their wake, like sort of unwilling on their heads water skiers, you get all of these tertiary statistics that come along. So people will sort of send to me and say, well, you know, but blacks get arrested at higher rates or blacks get shot at higher rates than proportional to their population. It's like, okay, yes, of course, but you have to normalize by crime statistics and then you can start to look at things. And by crime statistics, uh, normalized by crime statistics, blacks are not any more likely to get shot by police uh, than whites. And so there's all of this mess. And it just takes one basic fundamental expostulation of facts to, to, to undo this narrative and just say, well, just normalize by crime statistics. And then, of course, people say, well, why are they committing higher crimes? You know, there's a culturist, a genetics involved. Well, that, that's an open-ended question. We still need to explore that as a society. But just this magic wand of racism uh, explaining all discrepancies between all groups uh, except for Asians, except for Asians. Uh, that is right. uh, something that really needs to be e- examined because what happens is this um, narrative uh, of, you know, racist, evil uh, cops, although one guy appears to be Asian and the other guy I think is Latino, but nonetheless, it's white racism because honorary promotion. But uh, the way that it works is this this lie gets out, gets broadcast all over the place. And then by the tru- by the time the truth comes out, it's all deeply embedded. You know, you still see this hands up, don't shoot, which turned out to be a complete falsehood from the Mike Brown uh, shooting. Right. We did a lot of work on that at Got News on that back in the day, too. Yeah, I remember. No, it's, it's, always, a, it's always somewhat a fraud. Um, I mean, one of the problems that we, we have not figured out how to discuss openly is, you know, average IQ in the black community in the United States is 85. Uh, among white Europeans, I think it's one, 100 to 105. And so there's basically a statistical, you know, there's a how do you put it, a standard deviation between the IQs. And we know that lower IQ people have you know, much more crimogenic behavior. So if you just look at it just on an IQ level um, rather than on a – and you just normalize for IQ, you can solve – you can account for a lot of this, this variance. Um, one of the other issues too is that blacks in the United States are concentrated in our major cities, whereas our sort of poor whites who are you know, low IQ are out smoking you know, meth out the countryside. And so they're sort of – they're just not – they're not – on mass, they're not sort of closer, and, and of course, one of the ways I've dealt with this in the past is I've shown people the the imprisonment rates among blacks in in Canada, which is much higher than um, than you would expect relative to their population. Also in uh, in in Britain as well, and so we've you know this this the, what I always say to people is like, well, have you considered the possibility that certain racial groups are just more crimogenic, or that they just commit more crimes? And what's interesting is, is, is how some of them will say immediately, oh, yes, but we can't talk about this. It's like, well, <laughs> well why not? And then the second one is, uh, no, I actually had never thought of that before. Because there's, there's this sort of animating assumption that all humans are the same, that race is just pigmentation um, rather than actually a much larger phenomenon. And I do think a cultural element is part of it as well. Um, obviously, you've talked about the difference between R-selected and K-selected behavior. 
And I think that that explains an awful lot of behavior we see in the black community, you know, fathering children off of multiple women. Um, this is not exactly conducive to, to good family formation. And well, so, but of course, that that is um, in combination with the welfare state, right? I mean, uh, black course. and white uh, fatherlessness used to be much closer, like le- used to be less, right? In black fatherlessness and the disintegration of the black family, family used to be much less uh, in the past. The black family was much stronger. But when you combine the welfare state with um, uh, other factors, you do send, tend to get this explosion of um, uh, fatherlessness and all of the associated problems, right. particularly for the male youth, which you get this cultural nihilism coming out of all of that. Right, and, and usually it's much more the, – the, the lower IQ on average people are harmed the most by the welfare state. Um, but, but it is interesting that there's, there's apparently debate as to whether or not the black family that we kind of hold up in the 1950s, 1960s, whether or not that was just a historical abnormality. Like, so people have looked at you know, black family formation post-Civil War um, among slaves, and they've seen that as actually much more, um, much more com- comparable to the current day. Um, mm-hmm. kind of, it's kind of unclear to me whether or not that's – Certainly an, an, an area of open inquiry. Um, um, but in any event, this is sort of like the larger kind of cultural you know, issues being, being discussed. And I, you know, I've been, always been very fascinated with police shootings um, and with riots generally, um, in part because when, when I first moved to Los Angeles, I met a number of people who had, part- who had uh, been involved in the Koreatown riots um, in, 19, I guess, 1992 now. I actually went and interviewed a number of kind of Korean shopkeepers who had to defend their property when the government collapsed. And it always seemed to me, um, it was it was always interesting to me. Just just you know, the the whole argument against having a, a firearm was, oh, the police will protect you, the military will protect you, and of course, we know of many periods where that not happened. And then later, I did a lot of the research on George Zimmerman. Was breaking a lot of stuff related to that story, and later met George Zimmerman, and the story of, that he told, and the evidence that he gave me and showed me, and others showed me who were around him showed me that, that basically everything I had been told on the George Zimmerman thing was more or less a lie from beginning to end. And of course, we know why. I mean, in the United States, it's, you know, all these things happen in election year. It's, it's a way to basically drive up black vote. They tried to do this in 2014. It more or less failed because they didn't have a black person on the ticket. And I suspect it will fail again this time as well. Um, but it is interesting just how emotional these issues get. Um, and you can try persuading people. You can try showing them the facts. But I, I tend to think that they're between 10 and 15% of the population that's persuadable on this stuff. Um, that most of the people, it's just an emotional issue um, in the final analysis. And what they do is they, they go and they put themselves in the position of having dealt with the police. And most people's encounters with the police, particularly the young, are not always so great. Um, you know, they're pulling you over for speeding or for, you know, some sort of... Be- By the way, I, I found a trick away from this, which is put a Police Lives Matter sticker on your car, which, <laughs> um, which I did about two years ago. I'm a terrible driver. I probably shouldn't have my license. But I put a Police Lives Matter sticker. And I've actually now been pulled over by the police to thank me for having the sticker. Um, mm. So I, I recommend it if you're a bad driver. But in any event. Well, I think it's... Um- it's, it's the general habit that a lot of people have, which is to attempt to postpone any particular unpleasantness later. And of, of course, all that does is it means that the unpleasantness is going to be far greater, both in the now and in the future. If we can start talking about uh, racial differences uh, openly, maybe there's a solution, maybe there are facts involved. And I think that uh, saying that, well, I don't know, maybe, well, 
blacks can't handle this conversation. That to me is the most racist statement of all. You know, we can we can look at uh, these situations. We can try and figure out solutions uh, and um, denying uh, the capacity of society to talk about basic biological facts. And and for those who are startled by this, uh, this has been, of course, uh, recorded. The IQ discrepancies uh, between racial groups has been recorded for over a hundred years, uh, and the American Psychological Association has verified it. There's, of course, a great book called The Bell Curve, where you can find out more information that came out in the 90s. Uh, but there is this steadfast uh, focus on keeping this information from the general public because the mainstream media is no longer interested in informing us, but in manipulating and controlling us in particular for the advantage of the Democrat Party as a whole. And this is very frustrating because we do want to be able to grapple and solve and deal with these issues. But the, the further we stray from basic facts and realities, uh, the worse society is going to get in the long run. That's right. And I would recommend uh, two other books to uh, 10,000 Year Explosion, which was quite good by Gregory Cochran and Henry Harpening. And also um, Nicholas Wade's new book, or I guess two years old now, uh, Troublesome Inheritance, which are more scientifically informed than uh, Murray and Hernstein's book, uh, which I guess came out in 1994. Mm-hmm. By the way, it's the only book that Barack Obama has ever reviewed that we know of, despite being a writer. And uh, he, he attacked it in NPR in 1994 as a racist book, which is, if that's not an endorsement, I don't know what is. Um, <laughs> right. um, I said to Murray at one point he should try and put that on the you know on the blurb for the book that Barack Obama attacked it and see if it affects book sales. Um, it continues to sell to this day, but yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the the basic problem is there are people who are willing to deal with the world as it is, and there are people who are willing to deal with the world as they wish it to be. Now I, I don't you know I, I don't particularly like having red hair, but I was born with it. If you have red hair, it's linked with all sorts of things like high pain toleration. Um, you know, I got my genome sequence. I have three times the likelihood of thrombo, uh, uh, venous thromboembolism, which leads to strokes. And I have a, the, the gene for rapid caffeine metabolism, which explains why it takes me a lot more caffeine to get the same effect. You know, we, we humans are very different from one another. And our, um, our society has sort of created this idea that we're all the same, that we're all equal. And w- what ends up happening a lot of the times is a lot of these issues, they just collide with each other because most Americans don't actually have that much of an experience dealing with the inner city or dealing with blacks um, in the inner city. And so most of the blacks that they encounter in the professional classes, um, uh, you know, sort of in the higher distribution, most of the blacks they see on TV, higher distribution in IQ, um, just like they don't have much experience dealing with Indian reservations or with, you know, sort of other kind of low, lower class lower IQ groups. And, you know, my attitude is I don't, I don't particularly care if it hurts blacks or helps blacks or hurts whites or helps whites. I just care what the truth is. And, you know, for me, you know, I am a betting man. You know, I do spend a lot of time studying the market, studying, you know, predict it, studying all these different things. Um, And so for me at a certain point, like uh, my attitude is just from a business decision you know, I think the truth is very valuable, and you know, people people you know donate to me at Got News. People support me, um, and it's it's quite nice to have people join the research effort. You know, getting little old ladies involved in Slack and on Twitter. You know, trying to find out what's really going on. And my my view has always been that there there are three groups sort of screwing us. You know, those of us who believe in the truth, and it's the media, it's the so called education classes. And of course, the government and the media. Once the media falls, and it's at like six percent confidence right now, once it once it collapses, um, and, you know what, what's happening is that it's becoming so cheap to produce your own content now that the people themselves are becoming the media, and they're debunking in real time all of these various media lies. And so, what's happened is the media gets lower and lower, lower credibility. 
And I think, um, you know, President, or soon to be President Trump, I was going to, um, you know, I think he understands some of this. And I think people are starting to understand just how much of this game is designed to lie to you and try to sell you things that you don't need through clickbaiting and advertisement rather than that which is true. Well, I mean, that's a fascinating thing with Trump. Um, and I think it's under discussed, but uh, the degree to which, of course, he's got, I don't know how many bazillions of, of Twitter followers and so on, but the degree to which he's openly and has, I guess, for, for quite some time now, openly and publicly calling the media a bunch of manipulative liars. Uh, and I think that he's really the most prominent person who's been able to get that narrative across to the most people. And uh, I think that's quite fascinating. And watch this deconstruction of a narrative in real time. You know, it's hard to build sort of your evil house of falsehood worship if people are just pulling the foundations apart. Yeah, so so I think, you know, I invite people to join me, you know, email me at editor at Got News. Of course, I'm banned from Twitter in part because I was trying to expose Black Lives Matter founder Dre McKesson, who is uh, connected to Jack Dorsey. It's uh, rumored that they're, they, they date um, which is, of course, a great conflict of interest when it comes to censorship issues. But, um, but of course, like when people are debunking these things in real time, like what happened with the Michelle Fields situation, you know, there's certain there's certain stories that that end up um, where the public at large knows the, the truth, independent of the narrative that that the media is pushing. And it's been fascinating watching sort of the right wing media was, is starting to go after these, go after the left wing media. But now the right wing media has its own biases. And what's interesting is watching the public at large go after both of them. Um, it's very encouraging, like for for self government long term, um, because it, you know, if you if you don't, you basically the media is designed to perpetuate public opinion, and public opinion is so important in in republics, um, you know, at least in theory. And so what ends up happening is they are they they, they basically try and manipulate many of us into into frauds, and it's a form of it's a form of basically tyranny. Um, but I'm very encouraged by how many people are constantly sending me videos, constantly sending me material in real time. And then of course we get it up and, you know, CNN has the opposite story and then CNN's proven wrong. And I don't know how you can continue to be wrong so often and stay in business for so long, but nonetheless, this is, uh, this is an interesting phenomenon of the modern age. No, and it's great to have these, um, this is a fascinating moment because they're just 10 really they just tend to be these kinds of cycles of history, you know, like there's a rise and then there's a fall. And, you know, as the old saying goes, civilizations rise in hobnail boots and descend in silk slippers. Civilization protects weakness and taxes strength and inevitably saps. And and because we have this amazing communications technology, we can actually sort of try and put the brakes on this grim giant stone wheel of history. It's sort of like the, the beginning of the first Indiana Jones movie, that big giant ball run. We're just standing there like, like the Tiananmen square guy in front of tanks saying, we don't have to descend into lies and chaos. There is the capacity now to dissemble, uh, disassemble the dissembling and to stand in the face of falsehood and get the truth out there. And uh, it is going to be fascinating to see whether we win or the lies. Yeah, I, I think that basically the problem is that the, uh, if you've ever worked in a newsroom as I have in the past, what ends up happening is you, there, there are about 15 to 20 people who decide in the newsroom what is news. And right now, the public at large is voting with their clicks, they're voting with their dollars, they're voting with their attention, most importantly. And they're just saying, no, like, you know, the newsroom is the whole world. You know, we're going to decide what we're going to cover, what we're going to be focused on. And I just don't know how long you can, you know, persist, you know, in in a world in which, you know, 10 to 15 people make decisions. It's just not a very efficient way of actually allocating information. 
And I'm very encouraged just to see the people who come out of the woodwork to help on these sorts of things. I mean, I've had police officers send me things. I've had members of Congress send me things. I mean, I'm just a dude with a website, you know. Um, and it's it's interesting, too, just watching, like, you know, particularly the effect of this show, watching just how many people that I encounter just out in the wild, you know, in the, in the real world as well as on the virtual world, who have been very inspired by, you know, by philosophical concepts and have begun sort of waking up and thinking for themselves on issues um, and sort of taking responsibility both for their own education and for their own, you know, information sources. And it's, it's, very, uh, it's very encouraging, um, though I, I suspect, it would, you know, what will ultimately happen is that we'll be, they'll, they'll try and regulate the Internet in some form or fashion um, because, you know, the empire sort of always strikes back. Um, and, uh, and so I, I suspect that, you know, I'm, I'm surprised that, this, for instance, that this, you know, I have been kicked off of Twitter. I've had, you know, I think seven or eight denial of service attacks against my site. Um, I'm surprised. Uh, I've been kicked off of Facebook. They deleted my Facebook account at one point, um, and I'm surprised that that, that that you guys sort of haven't been, you know, kicked off of YouTube yet. Um, just given how how many uh, sort of a red pill pharmacy this um, this uh, this show is, but we'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> well, so just a reminder that you can go and get uh, Charles's work at uh, gotnews.com. And just a reminder, he does, of course, rely on uh, donations of Bitcoins and PayPal and other things. So uh, if you like his work, and I think it is very important work, please, please uh, help him out. Of course, if you enjoy my work, freedomainradio.com slash donate to help us out. Uh, thanks, Charles. A great pleasure. We'll put links to your sites below. I'm sure we'll talk again. And uh, thanks a lot for all of the work that you're doing bringing challenging facts to to the world because they're really the only facts worth having thank you so much for having me on your show take care